Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Amen. So I want to talk about pressing towards your purpose because sometimes we can have the propensity to think that just because we go through some tough times that God somehow hasn't called us. Or, um, uh, for instance, like we have a babe in Christ here today. And, and sometimes I know when I first got saved, man, I felt good. I had such a good feeling. How many of you can remember that feeling that you got when you first got saved, man? You just I just wanted to go tell the birds. I want to tell a cat, man, how good God was. It just you just felt so good on the inside for the first time. I felt clean. I, there was no alcohol. There was no drugs in me. I just felt so good about what God was doing in my life, but I was just so pleased. And I was also, I understood the mercy of God. It just wasn't the goodness of God. It was his mercy because I had to realize why would a God that is so big and so loving and so powerful reach down and touch somebody that was so puny like me? So I understood the goodness of God, but I also understood the mercy of God. And there was sometimes when you see the life of people, you might see what, what they have accomplished, but you may not know what they had to go through. One such person I want to talk about a little bit today just to, to, to start my message off is Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was America's 16th president, but he goes down in history as one of the greatest presidents that we've had. I think everybody will probably agree with that. If you read his story, you will understand. But listen, one of the things you may not understand is realize that his past was riddled with rejection, pain, tragedy, headache, disappointments. And emotional breakdowns. All right, let me tell you a little bit about old Abe. Somebody say Abe. Abe. Abe was born in 1809 in a primitive log cabin in Kentucky. His father was an illiterate laborer, and his mother was very sickly. They were forced out of their home when he was seven, and his mother died when he was nine. He virtually had no formal education. He became a president. <laughs> that blesses my heart because a lot of times people want me to have all these degrees from seminaries and all this other stuff. I don't have none of that. I think we're doing okay. In 1831, he, was, uh, he attempted a career in business and failed miserably. A year later, he ran for the state legislator unsuccessfully. That same year, he lost his job and applied for law school, and they laughed at him because his grades were so miserable. Not long after that, <laughs> he started another business using some money from his friend, and that business failed. I probably he don't have that friendship anymore. In 1835, he fell in love with Ann Rutledge, and during the engagement, she died. The following year, he had a complete nervous breakdown and laid in bed for six months. In 1838, he ran for speaker of the state legislator, and you guessed it, he lost. In 1840, he sought to become the elector of the state, and what? He lost. Three years later, he ran for Congress. Come on, y'all with me? He lost. <laughs> In 1846, he ran again for Congress and won. Also, after two years of serving, he was not reelected, so he lost. Someone said, oh. In 1854, he ran for the Senate of the United States again, and guess what? He lost. In 1846, he sought the vice presidential nomination. He got 100 votes. Yeah, he lost. 
1858, he ran for U.S. Senate again. And guess what? He lost. Finally, two years later in 1860, Abe was elected the president of the United States. Somebody say, how about that? But shortly after taking office, he endured the most devastating war our country has ever experienced. 620,000 dead. Imagine that being on your watch. That's more than Vietnam or the Gulf War or World War I and II put together. Imagine that on your consciousness as the President of the United States. In 1862, Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln's 11-year-old son, Willie, died. Typhoid, typhoid, did I say it right? Typhoid? Typhoid, typhoid fever. After winning the war, but losing precious lives, Lincoln was reelected for a second term, and five days later, he was assassinated. How many of those defeats would have kept you at the house? The reason I read this man's life is because you see how many things he had to endure through? He had to press towards his purpose because he wanted to, uh, he saw a greater good inside of him. And maybe you've gone through some tumultuous things too. So in the midst of Lincoln's determination, it was in the midst of disaster. His tenacity was in the midst of turmoil. His fortitude was in the midst of failure. And maybe some of you might be feeling that way right now. Maybe it's something that you started and you failed miserably at it. Maybe you started something else and it didn't quite go like you wanted it to go. Maybe it's a marriage. Um, maybe it's a career. Maybe it's school and uh, you wanted a higher education, but because maybe you got pregnant or something happened, you had to quit school for whatever reason, and now you look back over your life and say, man, I wish I, wish I had to finish school. Whatever it is, we all have suffered defeats in our lives. Every one of us, including the one that's speaking unto you. I've suffered things like this, which is why I wanted to talk about, you see the crucible that Lincoln had to go through so that he would be perfected for what his destiny was? All right, I want you to write something down here. Greatness rises to the top only when it's been purified by the fires of failure. See, your failure is not something that you use to keep you at home or, or keep you not doing what God has called you to do. Your failure should be something to kick you in the rear into high gear to say, you know what, I might have fallen on that. That right there may have not worked, but I'm not going to allow that one thing to define who I am. God called me to this, and I don't care what I got to go through. You hear the old people say, come hell or hot water. I'm going to continue to press towards my purpose. I'm not going to allow fear. I'm not going to allow failure. I'm not going to allow setbacks to stop me. I'm going to use all of those things as stepping stones to get me to my destiny. Can somebody say amen? amen? Your greatness rises to the top when it's been purified by the fires of failure. If you haven't really gone through anything, then you can't talk to people about going through stuff. That's why you got a pastor that talk to you about stuff that I've been through so I can relate to some of the stuff you're going through. I can relate to crying myself to sleep at night. I can relate to questioning God when I had cancer in my body. I can relate to all of those things and I can tell you right now that God is still faithful through it all. 
Greatness rises to the top only when it's been purified by the fires of failure. Can somebody relate to that statement? Apostle Paul's life did not start off writing 14 books of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, when we meet Apostle Paul uh, for the first time, we, we, we see him holding the coats of the men who stoned Stephen. Or some people say Stephen, depending on what part of theological school you go to. And even some commentators would say that some of the blood that spewed from Stephen's body got on Apostle Paul and the coats he was holding from the ones who threw the stones. Apostle Paul saw Stephen being stoned for following Jesus. Apostle Paul grew up to be a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was educated by Gamaliel. He had every reason to be prideful. That's why he gave you all of the accolades that he did starting off in chapter 3. He talked about, if you think you're smart, let me show you my stuff. That's what he did. Why was he doing that? So he can relate to them. To say, okay, you got out of that. Let me show you what I had. And I call all of that dumb compared to my relationship with Jesus Christ. So in other words, saints of God, don't let your pride stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Get the education. But that education, it should be propelling you to do more for God. Yeah, get a good career. I have a great career. I love it. But I'm in there trying to tell people about Jesus. Right. If I don't tell them about it, then they can look at my life and see I got a relationship with Christ. I like one of the theologians. I think it was A.W. Tozier. He said, tell everybody about Jesus. And if necessary, use your mouth. Mm -hmm. That means you got to live it. Because scores of times, scores of times when Jesus just walked in the area, they knew who he was. He never even opened his mouth. As a matter of fact, the demons knew before the people knew. Glory to God. How is it that you can be so religious and you don't know who Jesus is, but the demons know who he is? How is it that Jesus can walk into the synagogue where it's supposed to be his house? And there was a man with a withered hand and they were watching Jesus. Uh, Let's just see if he's going to heal. Wait a minute. Let's let's, let's back that up. Let's see if he's going to heal. Wait a minute. They were in the house of God. They were, it's his house. Wait, okay. Okay, this would be like, you got the keys to your house. And you got family in your house. Okay, I know it, I know it. I'm not trying to take you back. But I'm just saying. I know sometimes family come in your house. I know you got nightmares. I know it. You're still trying to fix that floor. So, so you got the keys to your house. You walk in your house. And the people in the house, they're looking at you like, let's just see if he go get a drink of water. <laughs> now, you pay the bills. You, you, you made sure that the water was running. <laughs> but people are looking at you to, to see if you are going to get the water you paid for. <laughs> okay, now let's go back to the synagogue. This is Jesus' house. It's, somebody says his house. Jesus is in his house, and the people who don't own the house, they're just trying to run the house. They're looking at the man who owned the house to see if he's going to do something in his house that he can do. That's right, that's right. And that's heal. Yes, yes. You guys seeing the picture here? So Jesus, knowing what they were talking about, Jesus didn't even worry about what they were saying. He said, stretch forth your hand. <laughs> so that's what I like about Jesus. See, Jesus know what you're saying? He really don't care. 
He said, stretch forth your hand. And what did the man do? <laughs> it's his house. Now, what's more remarkable about that, saints of God, I don't know if you ever saw it this way before. This man had been coming to the synagogue for years with a withered hand, and not one person believed for his healing. Even the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. Well, I knew the Sadducees wouldn't because they sad, you see. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get it going home today. They sad, you see. So Saul of Tarsus, listen, listen to this. That brother was vicious. I know a lot of people, we think about Apostle Paul. He was the, he was the great evangelist, man. And he wrote 14 books of the, of the New Testament. I think that's lovely. And you might want or, or think that somehow, man, I wish I could write 14 books. Before you say that, <laughs> let, me, let me just warn you that before you start warning somebody else's anointing, you may not know what they had to go through to get to that level. And so you see them where they are now, but you may not have seen what they had to go through. Amen. Because, see, you go up there and say, oh, I want the anointing of God. Come here, let me lay hands on you so you can lose your house. No, I, no, I want a new house. Well, you want this anointing. <laughs> Come here, let me lay hands on you so they can repossess your car. How many lived through that one? Okay, see, I got two people raise their hand. I'm going to be honest. I got three people. Y'all, y'all know because I had, when they was looking for my car, I used to, ba I used to back it up. Y'all know? <laughs> True. I, I ain't want them to see my tag. I used to back it up behind the house. <laughs> Dodging bill collectors. <laughs> see, back then, we didn't have caller ID. <laughs> you answer the phone. Hello. <laughs> um, I speak to John Lobb. Click. <laughs> you know that was a bill collector. I mean, I mean <laughs> amen. Some, some of y'all can relate to that. Amen. <laughs> so let me get back to this. Praise God. So, so Apostle Paul, although he was uh, an awesome writer later on in life, but Apostle Paul had to go through some pretty tumultuous times. I, I brought my new living translation out here because I wanted to read some scripture to you uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Can you turn that with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I wanted to read a little bit about Apostle Paul. And then we're going to get right into talking about the three ways to get in the press, okay? Is that all right? Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. That's where we're going to start reading. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation because the New Living Translation is more modern. Um, when this book was actually written, they, it was, they, was, they considered it more of a paraphrase, but a group of theologians got together and, they, and they, they, they confirmed that it's actually a good transliteral Bible. So the New Living Translation is more modern. So that's the only reason I'm reading this one. And a lot of people, they only use the King James Version. Uh, some churches believe that if you don't use the King James Version, you ain't reading the right Bible. Uh, some so much stuff. Verse 6 says, For God who said, Let there be light in darkness, has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us, is held in perishable containers. That is, in our weak bodies, so everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and not of ourselves. Now, 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 now it's getting ready to turn a little bit. 
He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed or broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. Let me say that one more time. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So in other words, Apostle Paul is trying to tell us, saints of God, that it is a privilege to go through stuff like that. Why? Because Christ paid the ultimate price. Now, a lot of people will say these things. They will say, well, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. But you might forget the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse says, but also the fellowship of his suffering. (laughs) Wait a minute, Pastor. I don't want to have to suffer. Well, I got news for you. There will be some suffering. It is inevitable that there are some things that we have to face, saints of God. I wish I can tell you that once you got saved, that everything, you, 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 all you had to do was follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> but that is fantasy, just like the Wizard of Oz. There is no yellow brick road. You're going to have to fight to stay saved. And it's going to be a struggle every day of your life. Nobody in this church will never arrive. We have to fight every day. And the moment you let your guard down is the moment he's going to slip in there. Therefore, Apostle Paul says, don't give any space, any room to the enemy. Why? Because if you give him just a little room, he's going to bogart inside of your life. And then he's going to bring all kinds of hell. He's going to bring all types of trouble so that you begin to see the trouble and you don't see God anymore. So let me give you something here. The word press, let me, let me just break down some stuff for you. In the King James Version, it says follow after. It's the same word press. In the, he, in the Greek, it means to pursue, to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing. So when Apostle Paul says, I get in the press, that means that brother is running towards something. Come on, somebody. He's running. He's pursuing something. So in other words, Apostle Paul says, now I have to apprehend that which apprehended me. Come on, somebody. So when God grabbed Apostle Paul to the point to where Apostle Paul said, I got to grab him back. Oh, okay. Y'all didn't like that one? Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'll keep it. I'll keep it moving. Ain't ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. Okay. Let me give you some ways to get in the press. All right. You ready? Three ways to get in the press. Now, that word press means impassioned pursuit. So first way, we press by moving ahead. That's what Apostle Paul was talking about is moving ahead. But so... Before I could talk about moving ahead, I got to talk about where a lot of us are. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about this unnamed woman. The Bible refers to her as Lot's wife. Uh (laughs) Don't even get a woman's name because you can insert your name in there. Oh, glory. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, so, So there's no way we can press by moving forward if we're looking back. Amen. So, so are you seeing this with me? And so, so this is about this woman who, who, who God delivered. 
He delivered her. She, she was out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? And so, so, so this woman actually escaped. She was good to go. But the angel told him, listen, I got one thing to share with you. Don't look back. When I get you out, when I deliver you, when I take you out of the crack house, when I take you out of the bottle, when I take you out of prescription drugs, don't go back to it. He said, don't look back. When I get you out, don't look back. So this woman, she was out. And she oh, hey. Trying to fake God out. Hey, if I look quick enough, that's how some men do right now. I see some guys in Uptown. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here, here come that holy face now, that whole holy fire face. Brother's talking about now, Pastor. I don't be looking. You lying if you ain't looking. You tell me you go down there to CIAA, you ain't looking. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, right. I work down there when they're down there. Well, no, I don't. I work from home when they go down there <laughs> because I know me. It ain't lusting, but sometimes you just, oh, God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I ain't like, y'all say that too, yeah. Yeah. right? Y'all see that brother walk by, you go, oh, glory, hallelujah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. So it's not just the men. Right? And I'm talking about Christians. So don't get it twisted. I'm talking about Christians. See, that's why the fellas got to make sure that rubber band is, is good in your neck. Had to, had to keep that rubber band tight. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all, what, kind of, what kind of neck I call that? A snap back neck, right? That neck got to snap back. You look, you snap that neck back. You know, mm. No. Boy, that, that devil almost got me, boy. I ain't lying. <laughs> right, Richard? I ain't lying. I'm a pastor. I ain't dead. And I love my wife, too. You know what I did one time? I told my wife. I told my wife one time. I told my wife. Now, now, hold on. Before I say this, <laughs> you, better, you, you better know your wife. <laughs> you better not say, pastor did it. I think I can do it. You better slow your roll. I know my woman. You better know your wife before you say what I'm about to say. I ain't lying. You be calling me pastor. <laughs> she kicked me out of the house. <laughs> You got a room now, my brother. You ain't staying with me. <laughs> I'll get you a hotel, but you ain't coming up in my house. <laughs> Hope y'all still love me. There ain't nothing breaking up the order in my house. I love you, but I don't love you that much. I told her, I said, you know, honey, I just need you to pray for me. I've been looking too long. Not that I'm lusting. It's just, just too long. I shouldn't be, shouldn't be looking at all. Right? We're humans. So I just freed all the men. But listen, I ain't freeing you to look. <laughs> and all the women need to understand, sometimes you look. Amen. It don't mean that we love our women less. Amen. It's just that it's this flesh in me. Amen. Paul said, when I want to do good, evil is present with me. <laughs> that which I should do, I don't do it. And that what I should not do, I do it anyway. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body of death? He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Glory to God. All right. All right. Y'all didn't like that one. All the men got nervous. <laughs> you can't move forward with God while longingly looking back at things God is trying to destroy. 
Now, you need to put that one on Facebook. Listen, this was the problem, thanks of God. God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So my question to you is this. Why do we keep going back to stuff, God bless you, to stuff that God wants to destroy? Let me put it to you this way. There are some things in your life that you gave over to God to destroy, but you keep going to pick it back up again. And God says, why you keep picking up stuff I'm trying to get rid of for you? Picking up bitterness and depression and all of those stuff. Come on, come on, saints. He said, no, don't go back. When you give it to me, let me keep it. So, no, there you go. No fishing. Why? Because he throws all of our sins where? In the sea of what? And I taught you guys before, there's a sign, proverbial sign, (laughs) on the side that says what? No fishing. If God throws it in the sea of forgetfulness, stop fishing for that stuff. Keep moving forward. Stop looking back. That's a scripture that um, Jesus says over in the book of Luke. He said, no man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, how many, how many old country boys I got in here, country women, you grew up on a farm? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I grew up on Alabama. In Alabama. I picked beans. I picked cotton, okra. I pick, you name it, I picked it. Some of y'all cut yards for money. I had to get in the field at 4 o'clock in the morning eating sardines and crackers. So y'all might not know what I'm talking about here. That was my summer money. And I would get out there and pick that stuff because that's how I got my money. My grandmama was me. She didn't play. Your bucket wasn't high enough, boy. You just ain't picking good enough. My mom, Grandma, I'm doing the best I can. I'm seven. <laughs> My little arms, I got alligator arms. I mean, I, I'm trying to, I need some new shoes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> no man. Who puts his hand on the plow? If you are trying to have some straight rows in a garden and you look back, what's gonna happen to those rows? Man, those rows are gonna be all over the place, and my grandmama is gonna hit you upside the head with a bat. Because if she can get out there and get them straight, surely I can, right? So that's why he says, No man that puts his hand on the plow. Why? Because you gotta continue to look where you're going, not where you came from. Amen? Right? And I taught you the message, stop living your life in the rearview mirror. Right? And you notice now, the rearview mirror is much smaller than the windshield. Notice, God has so much more for you in the windshield, but a lot of people want the little stuff that's in the rearview mirror. And as long as you keep looking back, God can't give you anything that's in your future because you're allowing your past to dictate your present. See, one thing about this woman, when, when she looked back, she didn't fall down dead. She stood incapacitated. Oh, okay, I got another one for you. Let me give you this one. Let me give you this one. Write this one down. The past causes us to crystallize into an incapacitated monument of should-ofs, would-ofs, and could-ofs. That's where we are. Why? Because we, we, I I wish I had a, oh, I could have, see, y'all just don't, I could have been something. (laughs) <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I shoot, shoot, if you're from Alabama, shoot, I was fixing to do it. Hey, fixing to what? You can fix me two sandwiches, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm just teaching y'all, if you go to Alabama, they say that, fixing to, right? right. All right, or oh, finna. So, so, finna, y'all know finna? Finna, I'm finna too. So, so, listen, isn't that true, though? You get crystallized. If you keep living in the past... You're always talking about what you would have done. Right. 
if the enemy keep you in the past, you're always going to look at, oh, man, if I had a, you know, if I had a finished school, you know, if I had a really went for that job, you know, if I had a started that ministry, shoulda, woulda, coulda's. So why don't you just stop all of that mess and say, you know what, I'm going to. This is what I'm going to do. Amen. Can I give you a real life example? Let me give you a natural example of a spiritual reality. When we got ready to start this church, we had nothing. We didn't have any money. We didn't have no people. We didn't have no building. We had, somebody say zero. All we had was a call. All we had was a purpose. All we knew was what God called us to do. Now, we both work in corporate America. I could be just as happy with my job, and we're doing what we're doing, and I go to church. I sit on the back row, Amen. do my little church knees thing, yep. and go to the house. Amen. I could have been happy doing that. But God said, no, I want you to do more, right? Now, listen, this, this, I'm trying to get somewhere, so just be patient with me. Now, I thought I was doing okay. I figured, I, you know, I was blessing people, you know, doing men's ministry, doing stuff like that. But God said, no, you keep asking me for another level. And I'm trying to show you another level, but you keep rebelling against me. Because I was, I was, it wasn't just me, it was, it was, her, it was her too. <laughs> it's that woman that thou gavest me to be with. <laughs> I ain't lying. I, I, didn't, I really didn't want to be a pastor, but then it just, it just got so strong on me that I, I, I just, I said, all right, all right, God. But then I knew it wasn't going to happen because she didn't want to be married to a pastor. So I was good. I said, I got God because she's never going to go for that because I know her. She's from the Midwest. When she made up her mind, her mind is made, right? So I was like, I'm good. I don't ever have to pastor because she would never, ever want me to be a pastor until one day in prayer, God got her. <laughs> I ain't lying. God got her. He, and then she started talking it, and I was like, Okay, then we got to do it. Wh what do we need to do? I don't know. That's where I was. I don't know. I don't know. We was in a church that I thought that was going to be a blessing to send us out. But sometimes, you know, you, you're in the wrong place. It, it, it happens, thanks to God. So when we start talking about starting a church, then as sometimes can happen, we got blackball. You know, so it's, 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 I mean, make that statement about a church. I know it sounds, it's the dichotomies of life, though, right? You, you, but it's the truth. Sometimes you can get blackball when... The pastor is insecure in his own anointing. So, so, so we, we had to leave so that we can do what God called us to do. Let me, let me see if I can help somebody. If man is telling you that you got to do something for him before you got to do something for God, that's not God. Amen. Now, you can do better than that. I'm telling you right now because some of y'all might be stuck in that right now. See, I wasn't there to please that bishop. I don't care who he was or his name. It is not my job to please him. It's my job to please God. And if making him mad means that I please him, then he just has to be mad. Hello, somebody. And let me tell you something. That day when we made that decision was the best decision I ever could have made because none of you would be sitting in this church right now if we had not. We had nothing, but we stepped out on nothing with God. Started Bible study in our home with three families, and then this is what we have today. Amen. Amen. 
Now, let me tell you something. Was it easy? Lord, no. It wasn't easy. But we couldn't focus on our past and the things that happened behind. I couldn't allow what happened in this church to stop me from going forward. Right? Because God, God, listen to me close, saints of God. God's greater purpose is bigger than your past. It's so much greater for you. God has so much for us. But we limit God because we refuse to step out in faith. Because we want to know the knowns. We want to know what God, before I step out, oh, wait a minute, what's going to happen? God says, step out and I'll show you. Okay, it's, it's like a child. It's like a child. It's like a child. A child, when they're little, they have no fear. Right, Richard? Your boys. Your boys have no fear. They'll jump out the top bump on the floor. Boom! Most definitely. Why? There's no fear in them. You know who put fear in our children? We do. Oh, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. And then all of a sudden, I can't do that. Right? But God is saying, unless you become as a little child. So God is saying, jump off the top bump. In other words, it says free fall. He said, I got you. Just trust me. It's just like a parent, right? A kid. On a sliding board. Let me give you an example. On a sliding board. It's high for the little child. And they're saying, Dad, I don't know if I can do this. You can do this. I'm right here. I got you. Come on, son. I got you. you nothing's going to happen. I got, I don't know. I don't know. And then they start backing back down the stairs. You, no, I can't do this. No, yes, you can. You can do this. You can do this. I got you. Just get up there. Get on the slide. I'm right here for you. That's what God is doing to a lot of you sitting right here right now. God's saying, I got you. All you have to do is let go. But we're like, <gasps> What's going to happen, Lord? And you'll never know what's going to happen in your life until you let go. Paul said, I have to let go of those things back there. Because, see, as long as you hold on to your past, how are you going to grab your future? If your hand's full of your past, you can't grab your future, saints of God. Amen? All right, let me go to the next one. Let me go to the next one. All right. I hope I did that for you real good. Where are my glasses? I lost my glasses. I can't see. It's the blessing of being older. Okay, so, so, um, don't, don't um, allow your failures to stop you, but listen, don't allow your successes to stop you either. See, sometimes we can focus so much on our successes and, and what we do, man, you start glorifying what you've done, and you get prideful. Oh, look how big my church is. Oh, we had 1,200 this weekend. Praise God. Yay. Two people got saved. Praise God. Awesome. <laughs> Let's go to the next thing I want you to see here. We must keep our minds focused on the prize that is before us, not the circumstances that's around us. See, one of the things that Apostle Paul is teaching us here is there's a prize that we're shooting for. It's just like when you run a race, guys. You don't run a race to lose, do you? Amen. Amen. Remember, who ran track? Anybody ran track? So when you ran track, right, you, you, you couldn't just run. There, there was some preparation time, right? And even when you prepared, oh, man, I'm getting ready. No, I better hold on to this one. I can't go there yet. I can't go there yet. I was gone before. I can't go there yet. I'm going to just hold that thought, right? So, so listen, we have to focus on what the prize is, and that's winning the race. So listen, let's check this out. Second thing, we must press by staying ahead, moving ahead and staying ahead. One of the hardest things for us to do is to stay saved. Stay encouraged, not get depressed. That's one of the hardest things we can do. See, it's not just, see, but, oh, my God. See, getting saved is easy. 
You, you say a prayer, you invite Jesus into your heart, but it's that next day. That next day when somebody cuss you out. And you ain't quite, you know, you ain't there yet. <laughs> right? Like I was. I, I mean, I made cuss words. I mean, when I got out of the Marine Corps, man, I had the filthiest mouth. Right? And so when I got saved, I, I, I wasn't quite delivered. I was still damaged. <laughs> right? So somebody would say something, and it'll just come out. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Some, sometimes it come out right now, don't it? You come out, you go, oh, Lord. <laughs> So you, you, you're trying to get through this thing, saints of God. So you got it's, it's, it's easier getting something than keeping it. It's, easy, it's easier to get the woman, but it's keeping her. Notice how quiet it got, baby. Mm-hmm. They do all the stuff to get the woman, but as soon as they get the woman, they stop doing the stuff. Mm-hmm. If you did it when you got her, you need to keep doing it to keep her. Don't be giving her flowers when you're trying to date if you ain't going to give her flowers when you get married. Come on now. I'm trying to help somebody. <laughs> look, look, for y'all that's dating, whatever you're doing now, you had to do it for the rest of your life <laughs> until, until one of y'all die. That, that's how we're getting out of this marriage. One of us got to die. If we got to kill each other or somebody, we just going to die. <laughs> but we ain't getting out. Uh-uh. No, we got 20, 21 years in. Oh, Lord, no. Lord, no. Lord, no. I was talking with a young man uh, yesterday. And he was talking about dating. You know, I'm so glad. I, I feel so bad for single people right now. I really do. Because today, you don't know what you're getting. You know, if I dated today, before I get my first kiss, if something happened to her and I start dating, before I get the first kiss, I want a DNA check. I'm not playing. I'm serious. No. I, oh, Caitlin. Oh, yeah. She'll be mine. My God, right? But I'm just saying, I need to see some DNA, some Dana. <laughs> Why? Because you, you could change all, all, all of this, but that DNA is going to remain the same. That DNA ain't going to lie. That, that can look like RuPaul, but when you check that DNA, RuPaul's still a man. Now, RuPaul is the prettiest woman I've ever seen in my life. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't be looking at me all crazy. But that DNA ain't going to lie. Why? Because God created the DNA. And you can't change something God created. That makes you a perversion of what God created. Because when he created something, he perfected it. And that's just how I preach it. You can look like something else, but let me check your blood. Because it's in that blood. That blood ain't going to lie. Oh, man. yeah. Some of y'all might get offended at some of that kind of preaching. Let me try. This is why I preach it like I do. Right here, Hebrews 5.14, strong meat. Mm-hmm. See, see, this kind of preaching ain't, ain't, ain't for the little, the little lightweight. Because, see, some of these little lightweight churches, they don't want to talk about social issues. They don't want to have to be divide truth from a lie. They don't want to get into this bathroom issue. Today, we got to figure out where, where's the best place to pee. Are you a man? You go there. You're a woman? You go there. You're a transgender? Check the blood. (laughs) Trying to tell you now, I wish they would invite me to CNN or CNBC or Fox News. I wish they would. 
I'll give them some truth up in there because I would go up in there with my Bible and tell them all. It doesn't matter what you think or what I think. What matters is what's in his word. And this word says male and female created he them. She's a female because there's a fee. <laughs> and if you don't believe what I'm saying, <laughs> strong, strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, mature. That is those who, by reason of use, reason of use means practice, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I love the word exercise uh, because that means that, you know, your faith has to be exercised. And if you work out uh, and if you want to develop any type of muscular structure, then you're going to have to have some resistance. Because when you exercise, you can build muscle only when the resistance gets higher. Hello, somebody. So God is saying, I'm trying to give you a little workout because I'm trying to I'm trying to exercise your faith muscle. I want you to be stronger. Why? Because although I didn't like going through cancer, I'm much stronger on this side and I'm much better to be able to minister to those who have gone through something like this. Why? He, he let me exercise my faith muscle. God didn't give me cancer to make me strong. He used the cancer to make me strong. We need to be more sensitive and stop telling people, well, maybe God is trying to teach you a lesson. You need to just shut up. <laughs> now you know more than God. Yo, you saying God gave them this. Oh, you know more than God. No, you don't know more than God. I think Christians need to be more sensitive. That's why I wrote that article out there about, you know, we need to be more sensitive with what we say. And stop saying some of this old Christian stuff. Well, God did this to teach him a lesson. How do you know? We just need to be there. I hate that those homosexuals got killed in, in, the, in that club, right? We, that's not us. Well, God is just trying to, I, man, some insensitive people. Well, God, God knows what they were doing was wrong, and he, he allowed that to happen. Would you just shut up? There was a time when all of us was in the club at one time. Talk about it. Maybe, 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 maybe a handful of y'all might have not been in there, but I'm, I, I can probably point at a couple of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can probably point at a couple that might have been in the club last week. <laughs> but you know what the blessing was? All of the people who were standing in line trying to give blood, Chick-fil-A was the company that was out there giving people food, the one company that the homosexual community don't like. See, that's what's called heaping hot coals on their heads. So you can talk bad about Christians, but when a tragedy happens, who's going to be there? Christians. You can keep talking bad about us, but see, we're still going to love you. That's all right. I can take it, right? We got to put our big boy drawers on and big girl drawers on. And, and, and hey, you can, you can criticize me, but we're going to be right there and love you through it. Amen? See, that's mature. That's a strong meat church. A strong meat church is not going to, let me listen to me close. A strong meat church is not going to water down stuff just to make the people sitting in the seats happy. I ain't watering nothing now. A lot of people don't like the way I preach, and that's all right. I'm going to keep preaching it while you're walking out. Amen. <laughs> because at some point, you're going to have to deal with truth. Yes. Yes. Amen. 
And we need more churches standing flat-footed when somebody asks them a basic question, is God, is, is homosexuality a sin with God? Basic! And when you're the pastor of the largest church in America and can't even answer basic questions, that's a problem. The answer is yes! It's a sin. Just like lying, just like fornicating, being an adulterer, Sin with God is sin. And I talk about homosexuality just like I talk about a lying rascal. Just like I talk about somebody cheating on his wife. It's sin. Amen. People don't like that kind of preaching. We press by looking ahead. Now, this is the one part and I'm done. We press by looking ahead. This is the part I wanted to get to because when we're running a race, guys, and I'm done, this is it. When we're running a race... Paul is using an athletic analogy here because a lot of people during that time understood that there were a lot of Greco things going on, the, the Roman games and stuff like that. So the people that he was talking to, remember I said Jesus talked to people where they are? So people, I mean, uh, Paul was talking to people where they are. So Paul was using an analogy of athletes because they could understand. Okay, so listen to this. So as a track, who ran track? So when you ran track, right, you prepare. You just didn't get out there on the day of the track meet. You prepared. But what did you do before you ran? You had to stretch, right? You had to get your muscles stretched. You had to warm your muscles up. If you didn't do that, what would happen? You hurt yourself. You pull a muscle. You strain something, right? You, you, you see what I'm saying? So Apostle Paul says, by you exercise your faith, right? You, you got to stretch a little bit. You got to stretch your faith. You can't stretch your faith if you stay in the boat of being comfortable. The only way you can stretch your faith is sometimes you got to step out into something and become fearless. See, they just didn't dance that dance just to be dancing it. See, see, that's prophetic because the only way that you can capitalize on what God has in your future, you got to become fearless. You just got to step out in faith. You got to reach out. And when you run, guess, check this out. Who did a relay? Right. And y'all remember the year that the male and the female USA team dropped the baton. Come on. Man, I almost kicked the TV. I said, no, you did drop it too. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get, I get caught up in, in the Olympics. So, so I ran the four, four, and I was the last leg. So when you're running, you don't look back. You, you see where they are, and you start running. And what are you listening for? Stick. Why? Because you got to be at the same speed. Otherwise, they're going to run into you, and you can't take off too soon because then they can't catch you. So God says, I want you to be in my timing. So when I say stick, you're right there for me. Why? You grab that baton, boom. You're gone, right? But when you see that finish line, you ain't just, you're booking, right? You're rolling, especially if you got somebody beside you. Right? Now, when you get to the finish line, what do you do? You're going to do what? See, it is a pursuit. You press. See, you got to press into your purpose. See, it's not just going to happen in spite of you. It's going to happen because of you. And see, some things that God has for us, we can't get it because we're too scared. What are people going to say? Who cares? 
People are going to talk anyway. Listen, can I help you with something? I read one of his books that said that, listen, as a leader of any organization, if people are not leaving your organization and if people are not talking bad about you, then you're not a good leader. I read that. I said, what? And that wasn't even a Christian book, but it delivered me. (laughs) You know what it delivered me from? People. Get delivered from people. That's the best deliverance that you can have. What are people going to say? Who cares? Step out in faith. People are always going to talk. Listen, if they're talking bad about me at the barber shop, that just means they don't have nothing to do. If they got to talk about me, I ain't nobody, right? They, they, they don't have anything to do. But listen, at least I'm doing something to make somebody talk. Hello, somebody. Somebody say I'm going to press on. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.